2: real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
1: you're listening to nasty knuckles the hockey outlaws podcast with your host Derek Nasty Meyer, and former Philadelphia Flyer enforcer Riley Cote, as they go behind the scenes with your favorite NHL players, time to face off.
0: All right, welcome back, to Nasty Knuckles. What's happening, Nast?
1: What's up, Rigorelia? We finally made a men's league game. Yeah, boys were excited to see you. You were yeah. moving at about thirty percent, I would say. It looked like you weren't pushing too hard. I know the knee's still a little banged up, <laughs> but it was nice to have you join your teammates finally. Yeah, we getting pushed around a little bit without you and Foxy being there. So yeah, it was nice to be back
0: out, first time yeah. on the ice since the old knee injury. And uh, thank God
1: the pace was. Uber slow, not, not that fast. <laughs> the pace was not that fast, but next week, it's a different story. We're playing those pesky blue devils. Oh, and a few Bulls. of the, few of those guys have called you out. Uh, Brian Donahue, Jr. Weed, Nick Sauer. They actually messaged me and said, tell 32 to have his head up Just and on that. a, and on a swivel. <laughs> on a I swivel. said, Hey, listen, I'll tell him, I'll tell He's him, but. Just tell them
0: that I have no interest in fighting. That I'd just rather smoke the peace pipe with these guys.
1: You just want to smoke the peace pipe. I get it. I get it. But they're they're asking, so they're they're barking. They're barking up the tree. So you might have to answer. All right. Well, we'll see. See if the old Toby,
0: how how durable the Toby is over someone's shoulder and collarbone. Well, I don't think it's going to break. No, from what we've seen, definitely not the blade. Definitely not the blade. (laughs) The blade
1: will not break. So if you catch one of those in the teeth. It's not good. Hopefully, no one does though. <laughs>
0: That's
1: um, the truth, buddy. Good start here for the guys in orange and black. I mean, little hiccup for a period first game, um, yep. you know. But last night came back with an absolute sound win over over the Kraken. Our, our buddy Dave Axtall, uh yeah. in town last night with a new team, and um, Flyers just just were all over them. And it was a sixty. It was a sixty-minute effort too. It was, yeah. um, That was that was that was awesome to see. Like everyone's on the score sheet. The first two games here, Um, even though you lose the first game, you have fall back hard. I know people are like, "Oh, here we go again." But you know what? You could lay down and die, or you could fuck find your way back in and get a point, and that point may mean something. Scotty Hartnell said the other night on TV. You know that you come to the end of the year, that one point. Oh yeah, it's meaningful. It make a difference, man. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they just had that second period, just a, a little drought there. Gets four goals against. It's hard to it's hard to recoup from that. But they they, they salvaged a point, like you said, and a um, l- little bit of a disappointing uh, loss in the home opener. But certainly an amazing bounce back game last yeah, night. And for sure. um, you know Carter Hart a series of big saves there, um, and then they land you know land up going down and scoring. I think the, the next shift and maybe maybe the shift later. Um, and, and propelled, you know, the energy forward. You know, good team chemistry, uh, sticking up for yeah. each other, sticking up for G. Nice to see yeah. G. I mean, G's, you know, leading by example. You, you know, he's getting, getting in the dirty areas. He's scoring, obviously, um, showing some emotion. So uh, I'm like what I'm seeing. I know it's only two games in, but uh, nonetheless, they brought the energy last night, and I'm sure Flyer
1: fans are beyond excited for that win. Yeah, it's... um. I love when G Sellies. yes. And so I had to message him and I said, it's about time or something like that. You know, he's like, yeah, he goes, that place was, was going nuts. He's like, the fans are unbelievable, which <clears throat> they are here in Philadelphia. I mean, you know, yep. they let you know when things are not going great, but they were pumped. And and I love, like, you don't see G Sally too much, man. And he actually sallied. Yep. He got down and gave her he's, a little punch. I was pump. like, I love that man. I, it's too bad they couldn't hang on and, and find a way to win it. But like I said, man, you fight back like that. You show you show a lot, and, and the team has been sticking up for one another. It's only two. We're only two games in. We're not. Let's not do what we did last year. Where we get so <laughs> yeah. excited. Let's just let them keep rolling. But I think they're rolling in the right way here. Last year, I think we could agree they they were winning some games, but they weren't playing that great. Um, they played unbelievable last night, and yeah. and. You can't oh it's a new team. Well, Seattle's played everybody tough. They almost beat Vegas. You know, they they fought back and tied that game. They end up losing, and they won their next game, I think in Nashville. Um I think they dropped one in overtime. But they, you know, you know with Dave Hackstall, they're gonna they're gonna give it all they have every night. So um, yeah, he's a, he's a really good coach. Things didn't go his way here, but I think a lot of that people forget that we were kind of in a rebuilding mode when Hack was here. So um That's right. he didn't really get a fair shake i don't think but hey he's a coach there he's a great guy good good coach and but the main thing is our boys are one and playing well
0: that's it yeah S- strong start to the season obviously a lot of uh work to do but uh, i do like what i'm seeing I, I i'm liking the back end you know they're moving the puck so much crisper oh and, and more efficiently yes. up the ice putting pucks to the net making just making really strong plays i mean it's it's very obvious that the forwards line up having the puck uh, a lot more and there's just more, there's more offensive chances created. So we'll see, we'll see if, uh, how it goes the next few games and see if we can yep. keep this, uh, this pace up, but uh,
1: Boston in town tomorrow.
0: Yeah. All right. Nas. what do you think we jump into this episode 45 with Mark Howe?
1: Oh, bugger, Howe, the hall of famer in every category you want in hockey. Let's do it, baby.
0: All right. This interview is brought to you by fans of Philly. Fans of Philly is the number one organizer of Philly fan trips of all sports.
1: Yes, sir. And for upcoming flyer trips, they are going to New Jersey. That's November 28th. Uh, They're going to Arizona December 11th. Seattle, Seattle Kraken to see our buddy Dave Haxtall December 29th. New York Islanders in January the 17th in 2022. And then Nashville in March 27th in 2022 and please remember that Riley and I are definitely going to be in Arizona for that trip. Uh, we're there about three days and then the Nashville trip who Nashville rigs. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm right. Re- I'm ready for both. I'm ready for the sun in Arizona <laughs> and I'm ready to hang out with everybody. And then Nashville as well. So maybe we'll be uh, added into a couple more trips, but, uh, definitely, definitely check it out and reach out to fans of Philly.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to it. It should be a blast. All right, Nass, let's go.
1: Let's go, big boy. Welcome back. I'm Riley Cote. I'm Derek Settlemeyer. This week, we have a very special guest. This gentleman, NHL Hall of Famer, USA Hall of Fame, WHA Hall of Fame, Flyers Hall of Fame, number retired here in Philadelphia, the great Mr. Mark Howe. How are you, Howie?
2: Uh I'm doing all right, thanks, Derek. So uh hey Riley, how you doing? So yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know about all the Hall of Fame thing. All I know is I, yeah. I would have never I would have never scored a goal unless your dad fixed my sticks for me. That's all I know. <laughs>
1: yeah, he he'll he would love to take credit for that. He did tell me if you were if you ever got in a slump, and before he even finished, I said, slump. I looked at his numbers, I know who he is. I don't think he was ever in a slump, but he said, Well, if he ever had a little one, he would let me fix the sticks for him. I'm like, Oh, huh. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll give you a little credit then, I guess. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I used to, I
2: used to walk I used to walk into his little office. I take three four sticks and throw them at him. And I and I, I might, I'm actually I might be one of the dumbest hockey players ever because every time he fixed my sticks for me. I did score a goal, but then <laughs> as soon as I scored, I'd go back to fixing my own stick. So go, <laughs> hey, go figure. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. So
1: what are you up to these days, Javi?
2: Uh, not much. I, uh, I retired uh, from scouting uh, at the end of June. Um, uh, things just, uh, I think things got caught up with me. I, I started playing pro hockey in 73 uh, and, and, and i've always given it a hundred percent i know as i've gotten older i i spend most of my summers trying to work out and and get in shape so you can go out and see 150 155 hockey games and uh and i think now i think all the added uh, uh responsibilities of doing two and three hour reports every day uh, the travel i think the pandemic and and my longtime girlfriend, Sharon, um, she's been having some issues, uh, health issues. So uh, she needs my help. And But that wasn't the primary thing. The primary thing was, I think I just got burned out. So yeah. uh, I know before we got on the air, I, w- I was saying that as a player, um, uh, it hit me one day. And I, and I used to laugh because I used to call my dad uh, when I was hit 38, 39, 40. And I said, hey, dad, like, how do you know when it's time to retire? And his answer was, You'll know. And I go, Wow. I said, Dad, that's like, you're no help. Like, give me a little help here. (laughs) "Eh, I'm just telling you, you'll know. And uh, my, uh, this is my last year in Detroit. Uh, We beat a team convincingly. I played 15, 16 minutes, did my job. I just didn't feel the same anymore. And so on the way home, I called dad and I said, Hey, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I knew it was time to retire. And, uh, and the same held true for me last year. I just, I knew it was time to get out. Um, last year was the first time. Uh, I mean, I scouted since 1995. Uh, and wow. it was the very first time where I actually felt like I was working. And uh, I mean, the job, the job is, uh, it's too hard and too difficult if you feel like you're working same as being a hockey player. So um, uh, it it changed for me a little bit, and that's when I knew it was time to get out. Yeah, well,
0: good on you for following your heart. You know, that's basically what it is, right? He's like, you know, you know, it's time to move on, and you're still a young guy. You got lots of life left in you, and you can have an opportunity to enjoy, um, you know, all the things that life has to offer. Like you said uh, before, we got on. There's there's all not a shortage of things to do, and then you can you know look <laughs> yeah. back on your career, yeah, and, and, and move on. So. It was good. obviously. Yeah. And now, now,
2: yeah, now I'm waiting on my, uh, my, my social security checks come in. I wait for my Medicare and, uh, <laughs> but no, nah, like it's, it's good. I mean, like I try to get up every day and, um, uh, I've never been a huge fitness freak, but I feel better and it keeps my mind sharper. So, uh, yeah. uh, yesterday I went for a seven mile run today. I did a quick three miles and, wow. um, I didn't have that opportunity when I was scouting. My days were 18-hour days, and you're just consumed, and and so you lose a lot of your private time, your private life. And um, So I'm just trying to get as uh, mentally healthy and physically healthy as I can be, and, and that gives me a better chance at a quality of life, so that's why I'm doing it nice sure. I, don't, I don't
0: think most people realize how much of a grind pro scouting and scouting is in general i mean it's yeah. it, it, besides the travel and the amount of games you guys see you kind of touched on a little bit and then like the reports i feel like th- those have probably gotten longer and longer over the years too like it's not it's not an easy job and it's not a short job like it's it's it's, it's, it's more than a full-time job
2: Uh yeah you're you're going at it and i think Riley. like it used to be uh pretty well you you scouted. it was kind of like the length of the season as you're as the, the players and you went to the end of the playoffs and so you generally had like three months off, three and a half months off where you had your time on your own. You had little meetings, but nowadays you're uh you know, because you're doing so much virtually, you're virtual meetings, uh you're doing computer scouting to back up what you're seeing with your eyes. I know if I go back to uh, April last year, I saw 28 games. And I I only went to Newark, and I only went to Philly. So without the traffic, because of the pandemic, I mean, the drives were only an hour each way. Uh, But still, I mean, my typical day is, you know, you get up in the morning and uh, try to whack out a three-hour report. Uh, You have maybe an hour or two to yourself. You clean it up you're having a bite to eat at three o'clock or so you're hopping in the car, you go to the rink and, and you can't show up at the rink at seven. You're generally there at five, five 30, reading notes, doing different things. Um, yeah. And when you go and you do the same thing every day. So uh, like I said, but when they get uh, the one thing, the advantage of living in this area is you can, you can do a lot of your scouting without getting on airplanes. I mean, the guys are, west, yeah. are on planes all the time, but the disadvantage is, you have to go in and you almost have to pluck games off your schedule just because there's so many to pick from. I mean, between going to the Island, uh, going to Bridgeport, going to Hershey, Wilkes-Barre, going watching the Phantoms play. I mean, there's a game every single night and uh, you just, and if you're too tired, you go to a game, you don't see it anyway. So you, you have to be, uh, I don't know. It used to take me about three, four games, Uh, it's like a player you have have to get refocused you have to get right in the proper mindset to do your job right and uh yeah so it's it's a busy job it's uh yeah it's not like when I first started 95 Hey, you watch the game you came back your report was hey I don't like this guy at all (laughs) and (laughs) back then the the Red Wings were such a strong strong team that I'd go watch the NHL teams I said hey there's only one or two players on that team that can could actually improve our team in Detroit. And so and the reports were easy, but nowadays the, uh, the team's in a rebuild and you're, you're trying to rebuild within the, you know, the the timeline and the limitations of what they want. And, uh, I, I know the program. I, I strongly believe in what Steve Eisenman is doing in Detroit right now. And, uh, you know, he may be the hardest working guy I've ever seen. Wow. So, uh, he's leading by example in the front office and, uh, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, like I said, I, that's another reason I quit. I just, the team, uh, Steve Eisen and everybody else, they, they need everybody at their best to get that team back on track as soon as possible. And, uh, and I think for me mentally, it was just tough to make that, uh, commitment anymore.
1: So I, I got a question how, when you, when, when you do go to the games, this may be a dumb question, but um, are you are you looking at someone in particular, or are you just literally looking at every player, making notes on every single guy, even though you're seeing them a lot?
2: Uh, well, early in the year, uh, the, the way they have in Detroit now, you if you're going to watch two teams play, you are basically you're watching one team. You're watching so basically 19 guys, less the goalies bad, then you see the 20th guy um you know you try you try to watch them warm up um you know and then now when we study goalies I mean they want to know how their movements how they you know cover the post how they handle pucks how they do everything uh what's the mental attitude giving up goals quick goals back to back uh but basically you're you're writing reports on every single player uh once you get to um um usually in January, the end of January, at some point, you have your meetings, um, you narrow your list down, and you know where your position is going to be as far as playoffs. Um, And then you start narrowing it down to, uh, you know, you start looking at teams. that. So when you're a seller, you're looking at teams are going to buy. And who do I want off their roster? Who do I want from the American League team? If I don't want any, any of them, go to the amateur guys, find out what draft picks you can get. Uh, so then you narrow it down. And then after that point, then you get into pretty well watching the free agent guys, uh, the UFA guys for the summer. And then it all starts up again at training camp where you're going and watching exhibition games where everybody's at that stage now where you got to cut your roster down to 43. Is there a player who's going to be available? Uh, that can come in and make the Detroit Red Wing roster better right now. So it starts right up, uh, uh, basically right at day one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, even though you have different teams, different it's basically the same process. And I've always had the philosophy that I, I wish I was right all the time. I know I'm not, but it's never going to be from lack of effort. So right. that's, how I, that's how I approached it as a player. I, I know I made mistakes every, you know, not every night, but a lot of nights – uh, but like I said, it wasn't from lack of effort,
1: right? It's 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 like Riley just said. It, people don't realize what all goes into that. Like I didn't even know some of what you just said. That's amazing. That's
2: that's a lot of work. <laughs> that's a lot yeah, of work. It's work, but like I said, it's uh, yeah, it's. But to me, it's the same as being a player. I know when I retired, right. uh, they they first had me do the uh, the uh, IHL. There was a team in Detroit, the Vipers, uh, run by Rick Dudley, and they were, they were a hard-nosed team and played hard. And, uh, they were a fun to watch, but it, it was older veteran guys, and they weren't coming back to the NHL. And I went to these games for about three months, and then finally, I think in mid, mid-December, I went into Jimmy Davilano's office, and I said, look, Jimmy, can you give me some real work? It took me about three months to get my hunger back. And right. you have to have a hunger and a passion for what you do, and, yeah. uh, and like I said, other, otherwise it's work. Yeah. And right. when you, because you go to the games, and and I, I'm running, I'm like I see Dave Brown, Al Hill, I see a lot of these guys in the ranks all the time, and hey, it's fun to meet up. Or uh, I'm not much a drinker, neither of those guys, but the odd time you might know, have a beer. I remember I ran into my old defense partner Glenn Cochran maybe 10 years ago, and oh wow. And, so oh yeah. So I, I had to have at least five beer that night. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's my old buddy tunes. And uh yeah, I mean so those feelings never go away. So uh and the uh, you know, as much as you you build friendships uh within your your teams and uh that you play for and even guys you played it against, it's the same thing in the scouting world. So it's kind of like a, it's almost like a uh, uh, like a union in itself and you look forward to these guys and you look forward to these guys doing well and guys that win the cups uh like jamie pushers won a couple cups now with tampa and hey when you run into them you, hey you congratulate them just like you would an opponent so mm-hmm. um yeah and that's that's what the game's all like to me it's all about the people and always has been yeah, yeah.
0: that's true it's all right it certainly is I want to talk a little about your your hockey career? Obviously, um, a, a ton of accomplishments. Jeez, um, I mean, numerous <clears throat> NHL awards and, and, and records. And um, I just wanted to go back when you when you first started in the WHA and you had an opportunity to play with your dad and your brother. I think for six seasons, uh, I I learned through Wikipedia <laughs> that you were you were a forward. Before you were a defenseman, and, and I think there's two different uh, dates here. They're, they're saying that maybe between 73 and 79 you were forward, and then you converted to playing defense. But then I read somewhere else in 76, and you were still in the WHA. You want to touch on that and then you know, how, what it was like to play with your father and, and, and brother in those early years?
2: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you're not old enough to know anything about my history, Riley. I know that. <laughs> Thank God for
0: Wikipedia,
2: man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, yeah, so I, I I played with Toronto Marlies uh, in uh, the OH, uh, OHL. We won the Memorial Cup as a team in 72, or 73, I'm sorry. Uh, 72, I had the pleasure of playing on the U.S. Olympic team, and we won a silver medal in Sapporo, and, uh, then I turned pro in the 73, 74 season. And, um, you know, they, they wanted Marty and I, and they were in talking contract with Marty and I, and my dad said, Hey, how would you like a third how? And Marty and I still laugh to this day. They took our contracts, threw them off to the table. And all they did was talk to Gordy. So I, I, I knew, I knew my, I knew my place right away. So, uh, but it was, uh, but yeah, so when it was, uh it was strange. Like I said, the year before we won the Memorial Cup, I was fortunate enough. I won the MVP of the Memorial Cup. Wow. Uh, As an 18 year old. Uh, but I, mentally, I didn't feel ready. I was ready for pro, pro hockey yet, whether it be confidence or whatever it was. And, um, you know, so I, I, I voiced those concerns to my dad. And, and the bottom line he said, look, they're paying you. And I'd signed for 125000 a year uh the two years prior when dad played Detroit his 25th year he made 100 grand he wow. said you're gonna make 25 grand more a year uh than I ever have in my lifetime so if I need to, wow. I'll break your arm and sign the contract for you so, uh, <laughs> so the WHA first off did so much for players salaries so I mean it doubled a lot of guys salaries overnight and so I mean all, all players should be thankful for that but uh what I'm most thankful for is um, I got to watch Gordie Howe play, not just from in the stands, but sitting, well, I wasn't even on the bench. I was on the ice with him. He was either my center or left winger or right winger for uh, for six straight years. And I, and I benefited being on his left wing. And But just to watch him as a 45-year-old, he won the MVP of the league. And I know it wasn't the NHL, but it was still pretty good hockey. And then the next year, he could have easily won the MVP as well. That's how, To me, that's the most amazing thing that I've, I've ever seen in sport. Um, you know, for somebody to, and for the first two weeks, like training camp, like Marty and I were really concerned. We didn't know whether he's going to be able to do it or not. We, we actually went home, told him my mom, we said, Lord, we're, we're really, really concerned about dad here. And I don't know how he's going to do it. And, uh, you know, I guess they sat down and had a talk and he, yeah, you know, it took him that, I guess, that much time to get his brain back into it. And after that, you couldn't keep up to him. And he was 45. And that's like so, I mean, I was a pretty, I was a pretty good skater in my day, but I couldn't keep, I couldn't keep up with him. He was 45. So um, to me, that's the, that was my greatest thrill playing hockey. And it's kind of like watching Tom Brady now doing what he's doing down in Tampa, uh, but yeah, so I, I played forward on his line for, uh, Alex, uh, I think there was, I think my fourth year in Houston, I think I played about 25 games on defense just because we had so many injuries, not enough guys on our contract. then uh, I went back to playing left wing again. And then uh, I basically didn't become a full time defenseman until uh, my my seventh year pro, the year of uh, the, the merger. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of so, I'll I'll never forget. So, we had the morning skate in Buffalo in the old dog, and uh, I was on left wing and in the morning skate came to the rink for the game and my name was on the on the blackboard as a defenseman so I thought the guys were I thought the guys were messing around so I, actually I went in I erased my name and I put it back I put it back up on left wing so uh and then the coaches came in and they go hey who changed the board And like I said I said I'm really playing defense tonight and they said yeah you're playing defense and I said well I wish you would have told me or let me practice once and my first first shift was against Gilbert Perot. Oh my God. my partner pinched in. I had a slide over. He came down one on one. And thank God that puck's going a hundred miles an hour. He lost the puck. I laid on it and I had to change. I was out of breath. <laughs> so it was a fifteen second shift, totally out of breath, just nerve to the max. And that was the beginning of my uh, NHL career as a defenseman. So wow. That's incredible. That's just awesome. like that. Hey,
0: just like throw you back there in the fire, no practice. Like that that is that is amazing honestly the, the I mean the, obviously they, they they believe in you enough to play back there but uh, you never see something like that happen in, in in hockey today where you just throw a guy back there and and expect him to be full-time defenseman that's
1: uh, yeah I know I
2: actually I, I think a guy I know uh Scotty Bowman did that with Sergei Fedorov uh I think it was back in 95 or 96 somewhere around there and so I and I had just happened to be in Dallas watching the team play, and Sergey was out there. And when he was on the ice, like Dallas never touched the puck. I mean, like, because I to me the greatest skater I ever saw in the game was Sergey Fedorov, just because he had every every aspect of skating. He was the best at every single category. Um, but he he just dominated the game. But Sergey, whether it be Sergey or for whatever reason he wasn't willing to accept that role. He wanted to be a forward. He wanted to be this, uh, you know, be a scorer and this and that, uh, I, I received it far better than I, I liked it because I went from playing 24 minutes a game to 32 minutes a night. So I love to be wow. on the ice and, uh, and like to, for, as a defenseman, I think you can control the pace of the game a lot better. Um, I, but I think Sergey Fedorov could have easily won the Norris Trophy if he stayed wow. on defense. So, uh, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, but it's uh, it was fun, and I don't know for years and years. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I've always credited Eddie Van Imp with so much of uh, you know any success that I had because when I came to Philly. Uh, I've been on defense for a couple of years, but I I basically missed almost a whole year because of a real bad injury I had in Hartford where I got skewered on the net. Um, I came here, uh, you know, my name was being mentioned for the Norris Trophy and Eddie used to say, what can I teach you? I said, Eddie, nobody's ever taught me anything. So I used to play the games. Uh, I used to go to Kaminsky's, have a couple beer, bite to eat, and they would replay the games every night at one o'clock. And I knew what plays that I in my head that I wasn't happy that I I made those decisions. So I'd go back home. I'd watch the replay every single night of the games I played. And that's how I was, I was trying to learn through my own eyes. Oh. Uh, but then when I, when I talked to Eddie Van Imp and, you know, and nobody would ever confuse our two games. I mean, we're at the opposite poles of the spectrum for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, I've been as hard nose and, you know, and it, anybody could come to the net on me. I always said when you came near the, to the net with Eddie there, you left about four inches shorter. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but he, he taught me how to play, how he played the game within his limitations. Uh, I tried to apply that to me and made me a smarter player, it made me think the game better, uh, and I and I had a, definitely had a better skill set than him, and and that's what made me a better player. So uh, he he always said, "Hey, nothing to it." But now nah, he he helped me a ton when I came here. That's
0: awesome. amazing. I didn't know that. Didn't yeah, know that. and for your first NHL season to squeeze out eighty points as a defenseman, not not too shabby there in Hartford. No, nah, we, really we had a not
2: bad team. We had a uh, we had a pretty <laughs> good line. We had Mike Rogers was a good good little player. Blaine Stouton was a good sniper, and uh they had Patty Butetta on the wing. And um, you know, they it would probably be the equivalent of a really good second line nowadays. And um, you know, and you're not going to score a lot unless you're on the ice with guys that can put the puck in right. that. So um, you know, the uh, my job was to what I could do probably as well as a lot of guys, especially in that area, was I could get the loose pucks. I could, I could win that battle first and I was a good passer. I could put the puck tape to tape. And so you give me two strides, one pass, both pucks go on the other way. And yeah, and you give it to the right people and you're going to get points. Yeah. I was, so was going to say,
1: you're a really smooth skater, a great, a great skater. And funny thing is uh, my dad would always tell me, you barely tied your skates. He's like, he would come off and kick them off like tennis shoes. And I was <laughs> like, wow. Like, uh, that's crazy.
2: Yeah, well, they're big. I I used to lose a little bit of circulation. My legs would, calves would tighten up. Actually, back in the day of the old tube skates, we were playing a game in uh, Minnesota um, uh, against uh, the the other WHA team. So I go behind the net, and the guy checked me into the back of the net. And then I laid there. Well, they blew the whistle, the trainer come running out, and he goes, "You okay?" I said, "I'm fine." He said, "Why didn't you get up?" I said, "My skate fell off." Yeah. So what happened? <laughs> oh, the back the back part of the two, back, back part of my blade caught in the netting, and my my foot came out of my boots. So I I'm not going to go down the ice with one <laughs> one, one skate, <laughs> yeah. one that's skate, incredible. and a sock on. So uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how loose I used to keep them. Oh, that's so, Oh, that's funny.
0: That's incredible. That's I might sad. never never. And any other time in hockey history. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever
1: seen a skate come off.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. So it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of fun. Well, even, and like I said, so we, uh, I used to laugh at training camp. So, cause when we came to camp, I generally didn't skate before camp. I used to, you know, I, I did a lot of training on a bike. Uh, I got my legs as powerful and, and I could get my, my heart to recover as fast as I possibly could. And then I knew I was ready and, it would take me about, by day three, it took me for my ankles to start getting a little stronger again, where you could go without any support. So, um, and like, even to this day, I mean, I hate the skates they make nowadays. Um, I used to wear some some old e, uh, Easton skates. They were made out of kangaroo leather, and they might cost you 25 dollars at the store. Then they quit making them. You couldn't find them anywhere. Well, everywhere, every city we went to, I'd go to sporting goods store, and I think I what? bought up seven, seven, eight pair of my size that I could find, and that's what I ended wow. up using the rest of my career. Wow! So I didn't know. Incredible! That. Wow. I know. I know one thing. Uh,
1: where you skated so well, I'm sure it's easier for a guy like you, but, and you were in good shape too, but, um, you played a lot of minutes. And I, I remember one funny thing, uh, when we had that outdoor game in 2012, the alumni played the day before, uh, the Flyers played the Rangers. And, uh, I was, my dad was working the game with you guys. So I sat beside him just outside of the bench and, and you were kind of, you and him were kind of going back and forth and he how he wasn't even like breathing heavy. He's like, I'm not playing enough. Like, we, we, we didn't worry. And Sam, I think you were playing with Sammy, if I'm not mistaken. He was like, Shut the fuck up. I'm tired. You know? yeah, right. And Howie's like, There's not enough ice. Like, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, but it, I, it was kind of funny. But I know you guys, I remember Sammy saying uh, before, too. Like, basically in the playoffs, they were just throwing you out every other shift, you know, um, back in the day, that is, uh, when you were playing with him.
2: Yeah. Well, Sammy Sam was a heck of a player. I don't like. He was another guy played I don't think he got near enough credit. I, I know how good he was and uh, actually, I think I think we lost game seven uh, to Washington in Washington one year. I think we were, it was a year we were up three games to one and then lost out. And uh, I think it went, went like eight or nine minutes of the first overtime period. Well, Sammy played fifty-one minutes. I played forty-nine. Wow. So I was in the penalty box for two. So, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's a ton of ice time. But hey, I'd, I'd rather do that. To me, that's a lot easier than having to sit the bench and go out and play one or two shifts a period. To me, and, and even at the end of my career, like I said, if I'm playing five minutes a period there's too too much time for your mind to wander when you're sitting on the bench. Yeah. So, but when you, when you do it the other way, you come to the bench and like I said, you try to get your heart rate down as fast as you can and within 15, 20 seconds, you're, you're going, you're going out again. But I think the biggest key is if you don't take extended shifts, I think you can play that many minutes. So if you get, if you get caught out there in a long shift, I think it affects you probably the rest of the period. So you, you try not to get caught out there. Yeah, yeah, would I to- I
1: remember that uh, that series you're talking about. Uh, you guys were up, you were up three nothing in that game.
2: Yeah, and Dale yeah.
1: Hunter scored in overtime. I believe it was Dale Hunter uh, scored in overtime. But you snapped one. You snapped the wrister by Pete Peters. I'll never forget. I was. I was a kid, but I was somewhere watching a game and you snapped one. It was in and out of the net for Pete because he'd come out, you know, and just stand there, but he cut the angles down. Riles, do you even know who Pete Peters is? Or <laughs> <from>? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Pete played in Philly too. Pete played in the Philly, but he used to, he used to come way out and cut the angles down, but how he snapped one by him. It was in and out of the net. I just remember being at the, we were at this restaurant. I was going nuts, three, nothing. And I had some, Guys that were from uh, Baltimore that were uh, Caps fans, and I'm talking so much shit, and now it's three one, three two, three. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they end up losing. Just should have kept my mouth shut. But anyway, um, yeah, you you play, you log a lot of ice time. My dad would always tell me about that as well.
2: Yeah, well, we. I know when uh, when Mike Keenan first signed as a coach here, uh, the first thing he did, he went and met all the players in the summertime. So I, I remember he said, where do you want to go? I said, well, I'll meet you at Kaminsky's. I, you know, I'll go have lunch there. So uh, we sat and had a sandwich and, and you know, we talked about things. And one of the, you know, and he said, well, you know, what do you want from me? And I said, the only thing I want from you. I said, I'd like a chance to, to play more. I said, I think I could help the team have success if I get an opportunity to, to play more. And he looked at me and said, well, you'll get a chance. Your job is to be ready. And I said, well, don't worry, I'll be ready. And so we, we had our first three days of camp. Then I think we had a game in Hershey uh, on day four. Uh, We're playing, I think it was Montreal and he played me 16 and a half minutes of the first period. Oh, wow. And we're I, <laughs> I, <when laughs> where, where up four or five nothing. I had four or five assists. And, and I, I was yeah, I was ready to go. Um, but I was on cloud nine. I was having yeah. one of those games where, yeah, it, like my feet weren't touching the ice at night and, and everything's going good. But I remember coming in after the first period, I sat down, I said, if I didn't pass the test, nobody ever will. Right. So, uh, yeah. but you know, but then Mike, Mike let you know who he was right away. The next day at practice, he rode me harder than anybody. So he was in my face so far, so really? far into my kitchen. Yeah. But that's how he was. He might, Mike, Mike want to let you know that no, no matter what you did, no matter how good your game was before means nothing. It's what you're going to do after this. And, um, you know, so we, we kind of set our boundaries right on, uh, right on day two, day three.
0: Wow. That's interesting. You mentioned uh, playing 16 minutes and then, you know, a couple minutes ago, you talked about playing five minutes a period, you know, you weren't really in the game. How would you have played if you played five minutes a game?
2: I don't know. Like I said, it would have been really hard. Like I... (laughs) <laughs> I I, I watched, well, you know, and, and I have a lot of respect for guys that guys that play five minutes. Like I like, I don't know how you do it. Like it's really hard. Like even that game I was talking about in Hershey. So I got tested. So I got played 16 and a half minutes of the first period. Now in the second period, I barely touched the ice, but now there's two other guys. Now it's their chance to do their test. Right. Well, they've sat there for 40 minutes already. yeah. so for me, I, ha- I had the best opportunity because when the game started, everybody's mentally re- set and ready to go. and that's when, that's when I got to play. So um, yeah I just uh, and, and yeah, like I said as you get older, you, your role gets reduced and I, I like, believe me, I got beat by Mario and Wayne and mess and Trotche and those guys from time to time and you got embarrassed sometimes. But I'd rather play 30 minutes and get embarrassed by those guys than have to sit the bench and watch somebody else uh, do it. And then as you get older, hey, other, the young guys come along and then it's their role. And I, I said, I think that's probably what I missed the most. I didn't, I didn't have the responsibility, nor did I deserve the responsibility because I couldn't respond as well anymore as a player. Yeah, no, it's uh,
0: that's interesting. But you know, I, I I get it. I mean, everyone wants to play more. You want a bigger role, and you are engaged more in the game. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, getting burnt by the best players in the world is, is not is not a bad thing, right? It's just part of the game, and <laughs> and uh, you know, you you'd be the, you'd rather be the guy that gets burnt, like you said, because you're you're in the game, and that's just the way it goes, and then then watching someone else get burnt.
2: Yeah, know. So I I remember the I think it was eighty. 88 or 89 Homer Homer was coaching us and anybody play with Homer knows him like he's your ultimate flyer and uh warrior and to have him behind the bench. I mean, he, you know, he was a great guy to have behind the bench and, um, he, he didn't come down on you real hard most of the time, but every once in a while he, he let his feelings be known. But we had a game <laughs> in Pittsburgh, we had a game in Pittsburgh and, and Mario was standing behind me on the blue line, um, and uh, the red line was still on play and i think it was samson's bringing the puck up and i said he's making a western union play i mean you could read it from 50 feet away <laughs> yeah. and so and i got i got yager on one side stevens on the other so i said let me just stand in front of mario i go i'll break this play up and i know i could outskate all three of them so i'm standing in front of him. mario's way behind me and I'm so, but now the pass comes. I got my stick there, my foot there, my leg there. There's no way that puck's getting through, no matter how bad a bounces or anything. I So I'm just going to block it and we'll go the other way, four on two, and they're not going to back check. <laughs> and sure enough, this stick comes over my shoulder. And with the tip of his stick, he touches the ice like this. And the puck goes in the air over my shoulder. He goes in on a breakaway and hexy oh. and hexy makes a save. Oh so, my God. Of course, they change. Come to the bench. I'm sitting there and Homer is giving me, like, what are you you doing kind of look. And I looked at him. I says, tell me when you've seen that before. (laughs) I said, said, well, and that's part of the game. So I said, okay, I can do this on any other player in the league, but I can't do it against Mario. So you learn. I said, now Mario's there. I got to go on the other side. So, But, yeah, I mean, that's – you know, that's just one of many times that you, well, you get embarrassed to do whatever. But I go, Yeah, that's but that's part of planning. That's great players, they exactly. they do things that other guys just don't do.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that, uh,
2: speaking of uh, Mike
1: uh, Keenan, uh, my dad was telling me that you used to love when him and Ilka would go at it a little bit. And Ilka told me some stories too, got God rest his soul. Uh, but uh, he my dad said you kind of got a chuckle out of that once in a while.
2: Oh wow. yeah, my, well Mike went out with everybody. Yeah, poor, yeah, Scotty. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> poor Scotty. Poor Scotty, Scotty used to get it uh, too. Yeah. There was a well, I, yeah. I think the well the funniest one with Ilka is you had to know Ilka. You had to know his personality. And a lot of the European guys are just they're more laid back. They don't take it as much to heart. And if they do, they just don't show it. Ilka was one of those guys who We're playing in Vancouver. We're getting smoked like four to one or something. At the end of the first, we're horrible. And Mike starts going around the room one by one by one. The first guy laid into was Dave Poolin, and he goes, "You're the captain of I and I got to leave out all the words, but he said you're (laughs) the captain of this hockey team." And he goes. And he says, "You got six goals." He says, "We're you know it's December twenty eighth. You got six goals. Five of them are in the empty net. Like, what kind of leader are you?" And yeah, he's just ripping into Dave big time. He works his way to Scott Mellonby. (laughs) and he says, "Jesus," he says, "I sent you home." He said, "I sent you home to eat turkey." Says, "He says, what'd you do? Eat the whole effing turkey?" He said, "Your face is redder than a baboon's a hole." I'm like, I was sitting there so poor, and then you know that was just the buildup of it. So you know, like you oh, he's going through and he's ripping him a whole bunch of other stuff. And he's working his way around. Now, mind you, at the far end of the room, there's myself and Brad McCremen. Now, I realize I was probably the worst player on the ice that day. And so I, I'm just waiting for him to get to me. And I said, Oh, this is gonna be just unmerciful. <laughs> and but just before me is Ilka. So he gets to Elka and he's he's saying all this stuff to Elka just ripping into him. Like coach would be fired like all day, every day right now for saying this stuff he was saying to Elka. And then he looks at his stats. He goes, 22 goals. He goes, how on God's green earth do you have 22 goals? And being sarcastic and Elka in Elka in his own way, he goes, uh, power play. So just in his way. And well, if you're in a locker room, we start cracking up. So I got my glove. I got tears coming down my eyes from laughing so hard. Well, the old the uh, the old benches or the training tables in Vancouver. I, I don't know what they're made out of, like cast iron or whatever. Keenan gets so ticked off. He turns around and kicks the table. Well, he turns bright red. I know he broke his toe that day, oh. and we all and we all started laughing at him. Just started laughing. At him. He goes walking out of the room hobbling. We're just we're we're crying in tears. He comes running back in. He goes, "You sobs, you're gonna pay for this. You're gonna pay for oh. this tomorrow." And we go, "Oh God, we better we better <laughs> knock him down and win this game because that's gonna be my win." So yeah, but uh, yeah, it was and. Yeah, those stories—they—they were, they were a dime a dozen with Mike. They happened all the time, oh, so wow. uh, kept things interesting. Yeah, he,
0: that's amazing. I've
2: heard—I've
1: heard you guys tell some of them. There, you're right. Like you—you you could say what was being said.
0: He, said <laughs> he never got grilled in that in that in that roast there. He, he saved saved by the broken toe. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's pretty so, good. So, but like, yeah, and I I. I, you know, I, I've always uh, given Mike a lot of credit too for, uh, you know, I think you know, there's no other way I get in the Hall of Fame. There's no way my number is up in the rafters if it's not for Mike Keenan giving me the opportunity and also for pushing me, letting me know that uh, being really good once in a while is not good enough. You got to just bring it every night. And um, you no, know, I, and yes. Yeah, <laughs> I guess there's a lot of days I wanted to just beat the living tar out of. I've had him stand next, next to the boards. And like we had a couple of skates where he's just in my ear and he's going, Oh, it's too hard for you. And like, my back would be really bad. And he's going, Oh, why don't you just quit? What? You deserve a rest. Like really sarcastic. And then after about an hour and a half skate or whatever, and he'd be standing next to the boards, and if he would have moved a half an inch, I would have broke his shoulder. He'd just come over and <laughs> two hand. you two know, and my I, I was letting him know I wasn't very pleased with how things were. But that, that was the relationship. And Mike knew how to get under people's skin. And you could obviously get under mine that way. Uh, but I respect Mike enough. I got an invite to uh, somebody who's going down to see him a couple of years ago. I know Mike had his cancer and. Uh, we had meetings down in Florida and I said, hey, if I get an afternoon, I said, if Mike's willing to see me. So, uh, then they said, yeah, Mike would love to see us. So I, I drove down, uh, went and saw him in Key West and shook his hand. And, and I said, well, for treating me like crap for four years and doing this and doing that, I said, you want me dinner and drinks all night and then we'll be set. So <laughs> we just smiled, smiled, shook hands and yeah, oh, he, awesome. uh, he bought my dinner, and bought my drinks. So, uh, there you go. But yeah, Mike. Mike uh Mike had a lot to do with the success of the teams we had in the mid 80s for sure. Yeah, you guys were good.
0: That's pretty impressive uh, that you can uh ha- have someone ride you that hard for so many years. And to hear this, we've actually had a few guests that have had uh Mike as a coach and, you know, s- similar stories, but to to be able to put that behind you and actually appreciate how hard he is pushing you and 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 to and to identify that him actually helping your career along and going to bury the hatchet several years later is pretty, you know, it's pretty uh, impressive. You know, it takes a lot of, uh, um, you know, just the human essence to do that. Because I feel like a lot of guys could go the other way and be like, I don't wanna ever want to see that guy again because, you know, he's got my confidence in my back pocket or whatever else. But, you know, you got you to you move, move along in life and, and appreciate uh, that. Because I've heard this a lot of times from, from guys speaking about Mike as a coach, so.
2: Yeah, no, he was uh, especially the young guy. I know, uh, you know, another guy, rest uh, got soul, Peter as Edel Peter. Yeah, <laughs> Peter used to get ridden so hard, and um, yeah, and I and I think probably what e- eventually happened was it just it went through the whole team, and then after a while you start losing the players, and, sure. Uh, and I remember with me, like I mean, Ronnie, I room with Ronnie Sutter uh, every year at training camp. Uh, I have a ton of respect for Ron Sutter and the Sutter family and their work ethic and uh, not the most naturally gifted athletes but just tenacious and great character and you can't say enough good things about them and Uh, we were playing the Islanders one day and you know so we had Ronnie and Rich and you know they got the uh, dog and puke playing on their team and uh, that's their names for them but uh, (laughs) Ronnie lost a Ronnie lost a face off to his brother and uh, so puck went back to the point guy took an innocent shot and goalie grabbed the puck and so uh, nationally televised game and Keenan decided to make an example of Ronnie and Ronnie, he changed the sentiment and had Ronnie come over to the bench. We well, wouldn't let him on the bench. And he said, just get out of here. Just go up, just go up in the locker room, take your equipment off. And, um, I know for me and a few other guys were sitting there. It's like, after a while, what happens? It, because I it, we're such a tight knit group of guys, it just starts to tear your uh, your heartstrings. And uh, even though it's not happening directly to you, uh, but it's happened to somebody you care about, and sure. somebody that's got a lot of character. Yeah. And um, and it, I think that was probably the demise for uh, for Mike Keenan in, in the Philadelphia. Where just like it, it finally spread through. I know uh, Dave Pool and Brad Marsh, uh, McCrimmon and myself. We would. We were all the belief, no matter how wrong the coach is, he's right. That's how we were brought up. That's how right. most guys are brought up, and and you live with that. And yeah, you gotta you gotta bite your tongue a lot of times. But um, Mike did that all the time. But I, I think eventually it just it got to everybody and wore everybody down.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard that before, and uh, and I've seen that with other coaches too. I mean, you can only, you can only you can only. Spread yourself like that for so long, and then eventually guys tune out. I mean, that was a little bit more old school than you see see in this day and age. But you know, you see the guys with sh- the coaches with shorter shelf life is is because how hard they push and and eventually go through the team, and no one no one buys into it anymore. But uh, you know, you you get what you. You get what you need out of the guys and during that, that that fresher times of, of 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 the coaching existence there, and then eventually it wears its, it takes its toll and, and wears off there. But uh, seems to have had a success, uh, especially early on there in, in in his career. And I know that coaching method doesn't really work today, but um, but I still hear a lot of positive uh, well, things I, out, out of out yeah. Of that I know, like I said, method.
2: like I said, I I asked for something, when he gave it to me, so I appreciated. It. I tried to respond the best I could, but. Yeah. Well, I, Mike, even uh, the all-star game up in Hartford. Um, uh, Our fourth, our fourth line was Timmy Kerr, uh, uh, Michelle Goulet and Mario Lemieux. And with 10 minutes to go in the game, he benched the line because he's trying to win. So I'm (laughs) sitting there and then it, well, and Derek, you were referring to like, well, to the, uh, uh, the outdoor old timer game in Philly. So, uh after the game i made sure i stayed in the hotel so i could have a couple cocktails not be drinking or driving and uh i wanted to hang with a couple guys i knew from new york and you know if any of the flyer guys were there i just wanted to have a good time uh so after the game i'm with uh brian leach and a bunch of these guys and we're shooting the breeze and and they're going, yeah, like they Mike benched half the team in the third period because Mike was trying <laughs> to win. So they they were cursing and swearing. They they said, "Oh, good ribs, this guy. We just we can't stand this guy." I said, hey, but you you guys want a cup with him? And we said, "I don't care if we want twenty cups with him." Like, and I said, "Well, he's he's benching guys in an alumni game." And I'm like, "Well, that's that's the ultimate Mike Keenan right there." <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Oh man, that's beautiful. That's- Nasty nice. got a um, couple of sudsy stories, don't you?
1: Well, I just wanted to I so dad you dad told me like you guys when you were able to uh get out around the area, um, he said you guys would go out for a bit, maybe Kaminsky's. but he he's like, Yeah, we, we usually try to once a month come back to my place for my mac and cheese. Yeah. Now hang on a second. <laughs> I know my dad isn't a chef, so I have to think that he was. Craft macaroni. Oh, and cheese. Well, yeah. And, well, hey,
2: it's three more, three o'clock in the morning. You got the munchies, craft mac and cheese. Was, <laughs> it was pretty good in the day. Like who, who are you kidding? If you don't know who that is, come on. Now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but
1: he's trying to act like it's some, like he's making this from scratch, you know. And I'm like, dude, you cooked for me, and it was hamburger helper,
2: and yeah. you know,
1: macaroni and cheese, but there's nothing to it. your macaroni and cheese.
2: It's not even. No, yours. I think he added a little water, did something, and yeah, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, need, I needed some food in me. Yeah. So we had a good time. I like, well, I mean, the other thing I used to laugh at was, like, if I had a all to the player, every once in a while I'd get wound up a little too tight within my own head. And once you get into your own head too far, it's not a good thing. So, Keenan would recognize it, and he used to grab your dad and grab Kurt Munt, and he'd say, look, go take Howie, get him drunk, do something with him. <laughs> So, yeah, we spent a few nights out having a good time, but, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, you go out, you have a good time, you relax, and sooner or later, something good happens. The monkey, the piano falls off your back, and you're back to playing normal again, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, your dad had a, uh, he had a uh, big uh, job description from doing sticks to get me out to try to learn to relax a little bit, so, it was a little bit more, and feeding me a little bit more than just training, so. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, riles
1: you you had one that you yeah had
0: well, heard bits, pieces, yeah so i remember hanging out with sudsy a few times and uh i, I got bits and pieces of the story but it was it was you and Sud- sudsy on the road i think it was last call and sudsy orders 21 vo and diet cokes yeah what, what's what's the storyline on that one
2: yeah that was in calgary so he uh uh yeah it was they gave us last call i think it was like Two, two forty 145 I think it was uh, so he ordered 6 VO and Diet Coke and they came by like 5 minutes later So okay you got to drink them up and anyway, his is already gone and he said we never got last call and she said what do you mean you never got last call I just gave you 6 drinks I, said, I never got last call Sorry. alright what do you want for last call and he said well, I want 15 VO and Diet Coke <laughs> when he, drank, he drank he drank call 21 so that was one of the nights where the coaches told him Told uh, him to get me smashed, so I, I think he was the one that got smashed. So, uh, but yeah, we uh, we still laugh about that whenever we run into each other, and uh, I always say, "Yeah, get another twenty-one Bo and Diet Cokes." <laughs> how about it? So, how do you get up yeah. and go to the That's re- uh... that's a lot. Yeah, well, that's I don't a- know. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. That's, insane. that's
0: really old that's school, insane. right there. That's a that's a lot of a uh, lot of alcohol, especially last call. You know, twenty-one <laughs> drinks right before you
2: shut it down. And I- well, that's in the last fifteen minutes, and when the, yeah, when I hit two, I mean when the doors closed, everything's up at two, so that was within twenty-one drink within fifteen minutes. So I, it was pretty impressive. Oh. So <laughs>
0: <Wow>. twenty-one. <laughs> Wonder how that night ended for him. <laughs> <I>
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, probably he good. probably can't tell you. He probably well, can't tell you.
2: Well, no, I'll tell you. So we we uh, we called the cab, and the cab pulled up. We got in the cab. He pulled up about 20 feet to a stop sign, took a right, went to the next stop sign, took a right, and we were at the hotel. We didn't know. We were at the back of the hotel. That's how that extended <laughs> started out. So oh, my just, God. Just to give you just – I'm surprised <laughs> the cab even came to pick us up. So. Oh, man. Uh, but we got home safe, so. <laughs> yeah, right? That's all that matters. I didn't
1: know that part of it. Oh, I know. That's unbelievable.
0: Oh, oh man. Wow. It's classy. I want to go back a little bit uh we we're talking about Shell Samuelson, and I you know uh, the privilege of uh playing for him both as assistant and head coach and then worked with him for several years when he was doing you know the d- the d- 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 development uh stuff with the Phantoms and Flyers uh and, and I know Sammy to be uh a, a yeller an old you know old school you know intense and, and you know loves to 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 just yell uh I mean being a partner of his for however many years you play with him uh how did that go? How did, uh, how, how did you deal with old Sambo? <laughs> uh,
2: well, yeah, well, was, now we used to call him Duke after Marmaduke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> big Duke. Yeah. So, yeah. so he was chirping with us quite a bit. And, uh, so, but he, uh, he, well, we, we had to learn how to play together. Part of it was like, well, you know, his, his range and reach uh, and his mobility was actually really good for a big man. Whereas normally you take away the middle of the rank and steer the guys to the outside with, with Sammy. I said, look, I'm going to go wide. I'm going to steer them to your side. They're not going to get right. So just get a piece of the guy for a half a second. I'll go get the pocket boom, We'll be going the other way. So I changed things up a little bit when we played together, but, uh, but part of uh, part of when Sammy came here was guys used to take runs at him all the time. Um, and I think we we're in it maybe two weeks in or something like that. And we all said, look, next time a guy comes to hit you. And back then you could defend yourself. I said, just take your stick and put it through his face. I don't care what you break. Sooner or later this guy's going to quit running at you. And so he oh and he's yeah, he was a big strong man at yeah. two 245, 250 pounds. So oh, he he gave a guy such a vicious cross check one day. He got five minute penalty. I said don't worry. Our job is to kill the penalty so we killed the penalty next game another guy runs out him, put a stick through his face and next game another guy ran at him put a stick through his face and i'm going okay time out like, yeah. I, I think the league has a message and yeah well because i'm a guy like i don't know if he broke his nose or whatever i said you you, you just have to do it I, I wasn't big enough or strong enough to drop my gloves and beat the crap out of somebody so my defense was if somebody's trying to hurt me if I take out your teeth or if I break your nose or whatever it is, I'm just doing a self-defense and yeah. so on. But sooner or later, I, I remember it was an all-star game. Kevin Deneen, Kevin Deneen, who I knew when he was like four or five years old, running around in Houston locker room, because uh, Bill Deneen was my coach. And, and first all-star game, well, uh, or uh, no, a regular season game, well, Kevin runs at me. And play stops. And I said, Kevin, I said, don't be running at me. I said, you're not going to like it. So he took a second run at me. And I, looked, I said, that's it. I said, it's all over with. I said, next time you run, you're going to get hurt. And so next time, here he come with his head down running at me again. And I went right for the middle of his mouth. I just as hard as I could. And he just turned away at the last second. My stick went just went down his neck and I ended up breaking his collarbone. Wow! wow. And so, uh, so uh, <laughs> Billy didn't called me the next day, and Bill says he says hi, Mark. He says, what are, you, "What are you doing to my boy?" I said, "Bill, I gave him two free shots. I said on the third one, I said like if you do it again, you know you're going to really pay a price." And Bill, Bill answered to me. He said, "Well, he says, yeah, he never listened to me either. So yeah, he just <laughs> <laughs> so. But but back in the day, that's wow. that was how you know. I, I think when you got the playoff time, uh, then you know your job was the, the hardest thing about playing defense at 185 pounds was you got some guy that's 220 coming at you or whatever. The puck's in the corner, you." and you know you're going to get smoked my job is to advance the puck five feet right. I need I need somebody to be there now if that guy wasn't there to support me and then somebody to support him then I'd start ripping on those guys I said I'm taking a beating for you to be here to do your job and that's but I think in the regular season yeah like you you uh try to protect a your little yourself a little bit more but in the playoffs uh you had to grin and bear it bite it for the good of the team and uh, yeah that's just what you did
0: well i didn't realize you're the one that taught sammy how to protect himself and putting sticks in people's faces because i remember <laughs> i remember him over, <laughs> and over and over again telling a young defenseman with the phantoms is like defend yourself you just put your stick in his face and shove it down his throat <laughs> uh, I, was, yeah. I was like i didn't realize you were the one that that taught him that
2: well, like well basically that was the whole team and you know all the guys that play with them. So you know we always used to tell them, look, we got your back. Right. Like I said we will because you know you kill good penalties, you don't kill bad bad penalties. Just they have a tendency to, to puck ends up in the net on the power play. But yep. I said we'll we'll have your back. We'll we'll take care of you. I, I know we had <laughs> the hard part was so we roomed together a lot of times. The one year in the playoffs, they kept us up in New York. And we sit at that old New Yorker hotel across the street and, uh, and uh, Shell had a little bit of a tough game uh, we lost. So I was with uh, prop and McCrim and I said, you guys got to come with me back to the room. I go, I can't go back to that room alone because I know <laughs> Shell's been in there. I know he's just human. <laughs> and so he, he just beat it right back to the room. And so they walk in the room with me and we weren't in there five seconds and it's boo, 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 boo. It's, it's, it's going well. And it's funny. Cause I think the beds in there were maybe six foot long and he was so his head <laughs> against <laughs> the headboard. His feet, uh, his feet are off the end of the bed. So, um, you know, but it took maybe five, ten minutes. He got it out. He relaxed. We went to bed and went back at it again the next day. Oh, but um, yeah, I just like I I run into Shell uh, a lot, and uh, like I said, I I I, I like the guy. Like, he was one of the, obviously one of the best partners I ever had, and um, and a heck of a nice person. Really good guys. So uh, uh, yeah, it's and Flyers are lucky to have him around as long as they have.
0: Yeah, man, he's still going strong. It's uh it's pretty impressive, you know. You don't you don't hold on to a job that long and you know in in the same organization uh very often, but uh he's he's a passionate guy. You know, he's seen the evolution of the game and I think, you know, he, he I think he's got uh he, he he's intense and 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 says what's on his mind, but then he's like the first one to almost pat you on the back and like everything's, you know, everything's okay. I think he's got a, you know, a, a short memory when it comes to some of this frustration and emotion that he carries. So it's, I think it translates well with the young guys because he, he wants to win he wants to develop young players.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah. And it's like, I, I would probably assume it's somewhat close to uh, like when I ended up being a player under Paul Holmgren, where, yeah, their emotions get out there and they, I mean, they're, they're right there on the tip of their tongue and, uh, but they're good people like right. and as a player as a player i love playing for a, like you'd go for a wall for a coach like that and yeah like and, and as you get older you just said look sometimes you got crap but you deserve the crap so hey sure. just let it let it let it fly and here you go and let's get back to work for the right cause and uh yeah but like i said and shell, shell and i i remember one time on the bench uh i think i uh we had a two-on-two i screwed up and um they go in the two-on-one, they score the goal, he come back, and he started to chirp me, and I just quickly snapped at him, I said, don't ever chirp me, pal, so I said, (laughs) you know, I'm your partner, I said, forget, you know, I got your back, you got my back, I said, don't ever, like I said, we're a team here, and uh, it was a tiny little small little incident, put a stop to it right away, and uh, like I said, like, uh, other, other than Brad McCrimmon, uh, Shale Samuelson was the best partner I ever had all my years of playing as a defenseman. So That's uh, awesome. that, that speaks volumes of how good he was. Yeah. And speak, sure. Speaking of uh, the late,
1: great Brad McCrimmon, what an incredible human being he was. And I know you guys were very tight. And uh, I just remember as a kid, he just made me fucking laugh. Like, he would say shit probably shouldn't have been saying in front of a 10-year-old kid, but I thought it was great because, you know, I'd go home to, hey, I got the the one time I got there for some reason, suddenly threw me on the bus with you guys up to, uh, MSG. I don't yeah. know why in the hell he did it. I guess I couldn't fit. I don't know if I couldn't get in the truck. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I just remember, uh, beast like changing into like basically taking his dress shirt off and then just having some shorts on. And he said something to me, I won't say, <laughs> you know, he was being funny and, and I'm like, Oh, this guy's awesome. And he's wild, you know, but, uh, <laughs> he, he was, he was awesome. And even, uh, when I was uh, with the team and we would go into Detroit and he was the assistant coach there, he would just always come over. He ended up being over there with us for an hour, just, just shooting the shit, talking about everything. He was awesome. He was so awesome.
2: Yeah. So you know, I a heck of a player, a heck of a partner. And, uh, but yeah, but we roomed together for three years and a uh, ton of laughs together. As you know, like I well, like every time we got on the bus trip, uh, Brad and I sat at the very back. Uh, they used to allow you to have a couple cases of beer on the bus and that we were in charge of the cooler cause we were the older guys. And, uh, so Brad used to sweat like a stuffed pig. So as soon as he got on the bus, I'm sure you heard the stories he'd bring out, he'd have a little pair of shorts that he used to wear. So off came all the clothes he'd put on his shorts and if you needed a beer, he had to see Brad. So, uh, so I know, uh, yeah, it's like I don't know, every year, but he was, Brad was just like an ultimate teammate. It was always about team, never about stats, do what you got to do for the team. and. Um, Uh, And I know like he always did a lot uh, and being roommates, like whenever we'd be out in California. So I know we would try to send, uh, you know, your dad and and Kurt and whoever out a few days and really give the, you know, the trainers a little added, uh, I guess, couple of days on the road. Then we'd show up and, you know, if you're in LA, we'd stay at the LAX Marriott for five days. And uh, we had one rule in place. And before you came to bed, you had to come by a room and have a beer with us. Oh, so, awesome. uh, so we, we did whatever we could, uh, so we, we made sure we didn't use the bath much, We made sure we showered good at the rink, and uh, we, <laughs> we we had we we had the beer on ice in the tub, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, guys would awesome. come in, and uh, yeah, it was good. It just makes for good good camaraderie. So, hundred uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we we had good. Brad Brad was a great guy, and yeah, I miss him. I because like we used to talk uh, probably two three days a week. Uh, for all these years and then you know I was one of the guys said hey go get a head coaching job somewhere and yeah when I heard about the tragic uh, plane crash uh, but he he died doing what he loved doing and uh, you you miss him but yeah he's uh, one of the best people I ever met in my life so.
0: Well Howie I know we uh, taking up uh, some of your time here on this uh, this Tuesday morning so we really appreciate uh, you hopping on and sharing some stories, some laughs, amazing career. Um, Unbelievable. And, yeah. And, uh, just appreciate, uh, all you've done for hockey and your family and everything else. So, uh, thanks for the time. Really appreciate yeah, it. Th- yeah.
2: Thank you, Derek and Riley. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, be running into you guys soon. So I know, uh, uh I think Marshy's got me lined up to, uh, play, uh, uh, playing the alumni game. I think they're playing in uh, like a month or two, something like that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'll see so, you. I uh, don't know. He's going to dread me putting on skates again. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> God, am I. 30, tell game... him you
1: 30 minutes or you're not in. 30 minutes No, ice. no. I,
2: <laughs> my, my goal nowadays is just to get through a game without hurting too bad the next day. <laughs> yeah, so, right. like, That's boy, the it's, you turn 66, 67, and things change a little bit. So, uh, yeah, so we're, uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. Like I said, i having a little bit of free time now. There's, um, you know, there's a lot of things uh, in my life that I wasn't able to do. Uh, you had to uh, turn down, whether it be doing stuff to help people for charities, different things, and uh, but it's, uh, it's time where I can do some things I haven't had a chance to do, go out and enjoy them and uh, like I said, it's always great to be in a locker room and see a bunch yeah. of guys uh, that you uh, that you bled with and sweat with for a lot of years. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, it will awesome.
2: be fun. Well, uh, I think we'll be there. But my uh, my old man was telling me
1: about about the game uh, last night as well. Like I think he's coming up to to help you guys out. So
0: looking yeah. forward to that. I'll be there as well.
2: All right, guys. Sounds All right. good. All right. Thank we'll you again it. so much. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. Ah. So much. All right,
0: thanks for having me. Nasty, are you ready to take your hockey game outdoors? For over 50 years, Milik has been taking the game of hockey to the streets, driveways, and cul-de-sacs across the globe.
1: Listen, Riggs, I'm ready, and I'll tell you what. They're featuring their MK5 shin pads that are the number one selling off-ice hockey shin pad in the world, brother. And I got a pair. Unreal. That's why I'm them. so fast. Yeah, you're going with none. Should have had these MK five or second to none, bro. But listen, also they have a lineup of hockey goals, ranges from the light PVC goals that you probably used to shoot on. I couldn't cause might like, cause I got Blow that it bomb with the Toby. Yeah. Uh, all the way to regulations, uh, pro steel goals. So you can take your pick there.
0: And the old orange ball that started it all has evolved into multiple hockey balls, scientifically designed to perform consistently in a variety of weather temperatures, you know
1: all about that, Nast. I do, I do, and I'll tell you what, Mylik also has a wide selection of hockey sticks for any type of playing surface, bro. No doubt Mylik has all of your off-ice hockey needs covered. For sure. Guys, listen, visit mylek.com and use promo code Nasty Knuckles to get 10% off of your next order. Mylik hockey starts here. Let's go. You know it, Nast. A big thank you to Mark Howe for hopping
0: on the pod. Amazing guy, amazing career. It was nice to reconnect with him.
1: Unbelievable guy, Hall of Famer in every which way, <laughs> any way in hockey, he's a Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, he uh, he really is, and amazing stories. Uh, you know, obviously play with some of the best players to, to ever play, but um, you know, especially when you're following Daddy's footsteps, and there's obviously a ton of uh, pressure and. Expectations, and uh, I think uh, as a son of a, a superstar, uh, he certainly it exceeded those. Um, yeah. You know, on, on, on many levels. So uh, nice to nice to hear from him.
1: It's it's so nice. He, him and uh, we, as we mentioned, he, he and my dad are really good friends, and so I've been fortunate enough to know him a long time. But it, it just like just a regular guy, man. I mean, this guy, you know, not that you know most hockey players are, which is great thing about our sport but like what a great guy I mean this guy's House's son hall of famer himself and right. just you know can make fun of himself and and he's just a great guy man so yeah. it was it was great having him on man
0: yeah he's definitely humble you know i think you mentioned it before we hopped on the pod or just he almost like he almost minimizes how much he's accomplished in the game and almost <laughs> just oh, pretends it never happened but um you know it's 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 nice to see a guy with that much success just be you know humble and and thankful, and you know, and, and just appreciative exactly. of his experiences and stuff like that. So uh, it was uh, it was nice to see him again and uh, and connect with him on uh, on a different level. And yeah, forward for to sure. seeing him uh, at the uh, alumni game on November fifteenth. You better Hall sharpen up the nucks. Oh, I gotta sharpen gonna... the nucks, man. I gotta sharpen up skates too, man.
1: <laughs> Why didn't you give me your skates? By the way, that's another story. We'll worry
0: about that. <laughs> yeah, you need new skates. I actually. definitely need new wheels. Come on yeah. over
1: to Subtlemyer Skate Sharpening. It's in the studio. Anytime oh, yeah. you're ready. <laughs> I know,
0: right? You don't oh, man. don't you worry, I'll be there sooner or later. I really I really need a grind you do. badly after a couple yeah. of spills there tonight. All right, All right ass, well That's a that's a wrap episode forty five in the books. Appreciate nice. it again, Mark Howe. And nice. uh, be sure to tune in next week for episode forty six. Until then, stay safe and have some fun.